transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert and it's just one of those moments in time. Moments in history. When the world is shaking off all kinds of stuff that no longer has a will to exist. It's cyclical, but nobody knows where we are in the cycle and which cycle. It becomes a little more clear about 15 years on the other side. All we know for certain is that these are the days of the turkeys. Which is an insult to turkeys, really. Benjamin Franklin said this about the turkey in a letter to his daughter Sarah preserved in the National Archives. For my own part, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen as the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. The turkey is, in comparison, a much more respectable bird and withal a true original native of America. Eagles have been found in all countries, but the turkey was peculiar to ours. The first of the species seen in Europe being brought to France by the Jesuits from Canada and served up at the wedding table of Charles IX. He, the turkey, not Charles IX, he is besides, though a little vain and silly, tis true, but not the worst emblem for that. A bird of courage and would not hesitate to attack a grenadier of the British guards who should presume to invade his farmyard with a red coat on. The proud cousin of the turkey is, of course, our own greater sage grouse. Vain and silly is one way to describe the fantastic mating rituals of our sage grouse. But you could describe the entirety of human mating dances with the same words, vain and silly. Now all we need is courage. And we can be a bit more like the greater sage grouse. There were something like 16 million sage grouse in America only a hundred years ago. Within Joe Biden's lifetime, just incredible to think about. So why do we only have a quarter million or so sage grouse living in the wild today? Because there's not enough wild, that's why. In states like Kansas and Nebraska, where millions of sage-grouse once cavorted and danced, 
fought off the coyotes and the ravens who were always trying and often succeeding and stealing the eggs from the ground nests and eating the young. While in states like Kansas and Nebraska, the sagebrush and grasslands ecosystem is all but gone. No sagebrush plains, no greater sage grouse. The answer to the problem is the answer for everything. Restore the habitat wherever we can. Up on the American Prairie Preserve, the most ambitious rewilding effort in the USA at the moment, sage-grouse is rightly understood as a living symbol of a healthy, wild sagebrush habitat. You know it when you see it. Everything's alive. Pronghorn racing through the grasslands. Mountain lion and wolf and prairie wolf. That's what we call the coyote before adopting its ancient Nahuatl moniker. Rewilding is the easiest and most enjoyable work because it's not really work at all. Let it be. See what comes back all on its own. Be amazed. And as I proposed to Joshua Tree National Park officials about a decade ago, get a bunch of solar-powered, weed-eating robots wandering the lands where the invasives have taken advantage of diminished habitat. Did I mention this other enormous bird, this enormous woodpecker that's living up in the eaves on the backside of this strange old house I call home? It's a northern flicker, and it sleeps hanging onto the stucco. Pushed up by the eaves, I mean, I could pretend to be Dr. Edward Yeager and sneak up and grab the sleepy cold bird and rectally measure its temperature if I was so inclined in the service of science. But having been so delighted at first seeing this enormous woodpecker grabbing all the early fall monsoon bugs hiding up there in the eaves and the little cracks and the old stucco, and welcoming this migratory flicker bird, now I'm careful not to make any noise when I go out back because this flying dinosaur goes into such a panic when woken. But I do wonder, does the northern flicker go into nightly torpor, clinging up there totally upright in the near-freezing night, the absolute worst way to sleep that I can imagine? Should I maybe commit science for the sake of knowledge or whatever? No, I should not. Let the bird be, for God's sake. Such a dramatic bird seems to mean something, settling here just outside my bedroom for the first time since I've lived in this place many years now. Does it mean something? Should I commit augury? The ancient art of prophecy derived from witnessing the behavior and arrival and departure of birds. I hold my breath and Look it up on the internet. Meaning of Northern Flicker. 
What kind of mad nonsense will I find? Plucked from all kinds of unreliable sources. Here are some alleged Native American meanings, but which tribe, which part of the Americas, and where did this information come from? The flicker does show up fairly often with dragons in ancient Chinese art, says one website. The brilliantly colored and very hardy bird is called, quote, resilient, courageous, and overwhelmingly positive on another website. This one, a bird-watching website. Self-love, says another one. Creative force, independence, on another one. I bet they all say the same stuff about anything you look up. A giant centipede in your bath towel represents freedom and success, etc. This is the first bird to take shelter here since the fledgling red-tailed hawk spent an afternoon with me a couple of years ago. With me because I was out there with it, scaring off the wicked ravens on the roof. After the fledgling hawk dive-bombed out of the pine tree nest of its parents. What do you mean, great speckled bird hanging? awkwardly off the stucco every night now. We feel weird because it's a weird time and we like to keep track of everybody else feeling weird, everybody else losing their minds. But it is why, of course, the artists and the oddballs and those touched in the head have always been drawn to the desert wilderness. To the wild places. The frontier for the modern American living in the western and southwestern U.S. is pretty much just beyond the last suburban development and gravel pit and outlet mall and logistics trucking and rail complex at the interstate crossroads. Keep going till you see it or until you don't see any of that. Don't look back or you'll turn into a pillar of salt which will be used by Caltrans to melt the snow on the Sierra highways. For the past couple of years, I've been reading The White Goddess by Robert Graves. I've probably mentioned it, and if not, I have often mentioned the entity herself, known by so many names around the world. The Spanish Lady of Route 66, La Llorona, the Queen of the Universe, the Madonna, Isis, Selene, Lacafia, Diana, the Triple Goddess, the Goddess of the Moon, Cybele, the Wild Goddess with her ever-present lion, Sekhmet, who was both goddess and lion, etc., and etc., everywhere around the world since the beginning of our species. There's a big book, 500 pages in the trade paperback version that I've got, but people used to breeze through 800 page Harry Potter books in a weekend. 
Some books are page turners. Some books are sacred texts. A little at a time, especially when you've got to consult your own bookshelves about every paragraph or two, and then reluctantly look online for the stuff you can't find at home. Reluctantly, because you know in your heart that most of the results will be about forgotten entertainment industry attempts to generate lucrative intellectual property from the religions and mythologies that haven't already been rounded up and branded by Disney and Marvel. So you're looking for the intersections between a couple of Near East gods from three or four thousand years ago, and instead the top result is a 2014 Wikipedia for a minor character in some dumb TV show that was cancelled after two seasons, and it says something like Catmos is a junior magician at the Academy of Magic Software in Sky Valley. Played by Dylan Whitney's Semaphore in season one and Taylor Wimsom Munez in the season two finale, when Cadmos is elected school board president of the Cloneverse. And then you just shut the computer and go outside. I've used the White Goddess, or it has used me, as an oracle these past few years. Sometimes I just open it up and dive in. Oh, here's a 40-page section on the interrelationship of Celtic and Phoenician tree worship as coded alphabet. And half the text is in Greek. Great. But all the while... The tattered City Lights bookmark has made its slow forward progress. I read a page or two at a time, skipping over nothing at this point because it's the closing argument. And if you're the kind of creature who listens to radio shows like this one, then it might just make perfect sense to you. Quote, The confirmed townsman is informed of the passage of the seasons only by the fluctuations of his gas and electricity bills, or by the weight of his underclothes. The one variety of religion acceptable to him is a logical, ethical, highly abstract sort which appeals to his intellectual pride and sense of detachment from wild nature. The goddess is no townswoman. She is the lady of the wild things, haunting the wooded hilltops. And though the townsman has begun to insist that built-up areas should have a limit, his intention is only to urbanize the country, not to ruralize the town. The last vestiges of the ancient pagan celebrations of the mother and son are being obliterated. I think it's time. Has anyone decided that? Oh, I see people looking at each other. It's always this part. It's either should I or usually you should. Come on up and tell a story on Desert Oracle Radio. Real 
campfire story. Um, I used to uh, work as a backpacking guide for a summer camp up in uh, the Western Sierras in Huntington Lake. And uh, this was a local story, and the kids used to tell each other the story all the time. But uh, the story is that they were testing B-52 bombers for some sort of military aircraft in the area. And uh, one winter, right before the lake froze over, one of the planes crashed into the lake. And this is a real thing. Like, a plane actually did crash into the lake. You can find YouTube videos of them going through the wreckage. But um, the lake froze over. They didn't recover the body. And then in the spring, when they recovered the body, they pulled the corpse out of the water and his skin slipped off of him like butter. And they used to call him the Butter Man. And they said that if you went walking around the Kaiser National Forest near Huntington Lake at night, you might run into him and he was just muscle and eyeballs and nose. And uh, this kept the kids in bed every night. That's the story. Did you ever come across anyone who thought they had experiences themselves? Everyone has stories about seeing the Butterman, but there are much weirder things in Huntington Lake. There's underground cockfighting rings. There are abandoned Boy Scout camps with uh, cryptic symbols carved into them. Uh, it's real weird up there. Well, what's the best campground to go up there and, and check this out? Oh, wow. Um, well, camping up near Mono Hot Springs is great. Driving through Big Creek and seeing the hydroelectric project is great. Uh, there's a lot of great backcountry camping up around. Now, Big Creek had a Sasquatch some years ago. Uh, did they? Yeah, there was, uh, there was a uh, supposedly fake... Uh, U.S. Uh, Forest Service flyer that was up at the campground. Oh yeah, one well, they've been uh, they've been uh, they've been they've been tagging widowmakers up there for a few years now. It's pretty bleak. So, yeah. Oh yeah, and have to get up there maybe for Christmas. A lot of yeah. <laughs> That's a great place to get snowed in. Oh, thank you so much, it's the Butterman. <laughs> Uh, we can do one more if somebody wants to do one. I, I can see all this, you know, up here. I, I, I'm going to pick you out of a police lineup, but... The butter man. All right, follow the butter man. Um, uh, two quick ones. Um, uh, both my grandpas uh, passed away on April Fool's Day, uh, ten years apart to the day, and uh, I thought it was a uh, prank both times. Uh, <laughs> 
1999, I was playing oh, basketball. Was it the, the, the death itself or the news of it? The news of it. Oh. Yeah. I thought I was, I was having my uh, light bulb both times. 99, playing basketball with my brother up front. My dad comes out and says, Grandpa passed. And I went, April Fools! And, uh, and in 2009, uh, I was actually, I was at, uh, I was in college. And I was having an argument with my girlfriend at the time. And my brother called. And he's like, dude, dude, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. My grandpa died. And I was like, oh, dude, I mean, that was not the time for a prank. Um, so I was kind of, and then he called back. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what, like, spooky math that is. But, yep, ten, ten years apart today. Pretty good. Uh, it, it, have you followed numerology at all since then? No, and that's not really in my, uh, no, I haven't. I never really have, no. That's the only one that I have in my personal life. When is the next April Fool's? It was 2019, uh, so that would have, that would, it was 99, 09, and 2019. So luckily nothing happened on that one. So you're clear, you're I'm clear. clear. I'm in the clear, exactly. That's weird. Did anybody mention that at their funerals or anything? No, no. Uh, just sort of this like strange little personal uh, thing that I hold like a little bit of shame over, thinking it was a joke both times. Uh, it is a little embarrassing, but um, uh, yeah, I just what are the odds of that, you know? It's nice that you still think of them both. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And then on, on the Boy Scout trail, I once saw a little floating white uh, tic tac that wasn't a plane, wasn't a military test. It was a floating white tic tac, and then it disappeared. You know how old uh, TVs used to turn off? The little like blip and yeah, it did that. It kind of like curled up on itself. Um, was it close to you? No, way, way high up there on the Boy Scout trail in the trash Park. Oh, oh, that Boy Scout trip. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that leads to Obey Yo-Yo if you go far enough. Um, yeah, I was on my way back listening to Richard Pryor's wife talk on a podcast. As one does. Yeah. In the wilderness. Exactly. Um, and I just, I, I poked my foot on something sharp, and I realized I should be looking up. And I looked up, and it was just a little white hanging tic-tac that uh, furled in on itself. And there were planes around, um, you know, like traveling up like planes do, and it wasn't that, so... People go there and they see stuff. Thank you so much. Thank Those you. are good. We want to hear from you on uh, April 1st, uh, 2029. Put it on my calendar here. Soundscapes by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. Oftentimes, with these weird stories, these encounters with the others, there's a message, a moral. People come back with a purpose, maybe, with an understanding. Sometimes they become intensely committed to environmental causes. This was something that the Harvard head of psychiatry, Dr. John Mack, discovered when he treated dozens of people in the late 80s and 1990s who claimed that they had had abduction experiences. Not just abduction experiences, uh, very detailed things, including these uh, stories that are common to uh, the fairy world, the fae, the fair folk and stuff, such as changelings, such as children swapped out for the children of 
of these other entities. Sometimes people just go nuts, it's true. But we probably hear more about that than those who have a new purpose, a quiet determination. They are moments of transcendence, like Ralph Emerson said. We're available to all of us in wild nature and wilderness. Deserts, mountains, seashores. The founders of every world religion experienced something like this. And they became so transformed that they changed their own societies. And in many cases, the lives of millions or even billions of people that would live far after their time. intention is only to urbanize the country, not to ruralize the town. The last vestiges of the ancient pagan celebrations of the mother and son are being obliterated. Despite a loving insistence on green belts and parks and private gardens, there seems no escape from our difficulties until the industrial system breaks down for some reason or other as it nearly did in Europe during the Second World War, and nature reasserts herself with grass and trees among the ruins. Robert Graves, The White Goddess From Amboy to Zizek's and across the great Mojave wilderness and beyond, this is Desert Oracle Radio broadcasting from Joshua Tree on our home station, KCDZ 107.7 FM. And on your home station, if you're listening elsewhere tonight, KZMU FM in Moab and the Castle Valley on Saturday nights at 9 p.m., for instance. I just got back to Joshua Tree from Moab, and oh, how I love it there. Moab, I mean. Doing some work there, talking about the important stuff, you know. Green River, too. That whole strange and magical and baffling part of the world, Moab to the maze, Canyonlands to Capitol Reef. Thanks to everybody who came out for the KZMU fundraiser where we all froze to death or died trying. And for coming out to the Grand County Library for the reading, signing, etc. Hosted by Cosmo the Library Cat. Well, that's true. You can look that up. It's Thanksgiving time, and I hope your Thanksgiving is a good one. They don't let us have barely any kind of festivities in the 2020s, down to Christmas to New Year's and Thanksgiving week, and the permanent grind called America. So do yourself a favor and don't rob yourself of the only couple of festival weeks left in the American corporate calendar. Thanksgiving is not an endorsement of anything beyond you and your people if they're around, taking a breather, appreciating and enjoying this moment in your lives. 
good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs>